0: Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the snooze button. We have another special guest today. We're actually live, so this is very exciting. You're only the second person I've ever done a live episode with, like in person. Highly recommend coming to Brittany's <laughs> office. It's very cheerful. I do have a fridge, it holds two cans, which we're drinking <laughs> which already, we're drinking, which is great. Um, it's very exciting. So, okay. So Jessica is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice here in sunny Los Angeles. And I think the coolest thing is that you have this special certification and specialty in perinatal mental health from the Postpartum Support International Organization. And you very much understand the pregnancy and postpartum life because you're in it right now. I am. I'm in the final countdown. I just started maternity leave. So, um, yeah. Pretty soon I'll be mama too. It's all happening. It's all happening. It's very exciting. And we were just looking at her son on the monitor with his nap. Like we're really, we're really in the throes of it, Yeah, which is great. Um, so, okay, Jessica. Oh, and I should say too, that I know you cause we went to high school together. Yes. Which is fun. Right. So we've really known each other for quite a long time. I know, really long time. I was telling you, I think that when we reconnected that my, like when I saw you again here, my memory of you was in fifth grade. In Giselle Andrea's garage. Oh, gosh. Did I tell you that? I thought I told you. I don't know, but I'm loving hearing about it now. That was, I was like, Jessica? Yeah, I like had this flashback and I was like, it was Giselle's birthday party. And we were in, I think she had like, her dad had like some fancy car or like a car collection or something. And we were like looking at this like red car. That's like what I thought of. From that to being at a mom's night, (laughs) reconnecting many years later. Yes. Started from the bottom. Here we are. Okay. I love it. So. why don't you tell everybody because i think this is going to be a very um popular episode when i did one as i was mentioning to you so for you guys listening i did an episode that was just me not an expert in mental health talking about the baby blues ppd ppa but it was one of the most listened to episodes i've ever had and it felt very important that i would bring expert on so i guess how did you how did you get from the garage at giselle's house to this expertise and like going to college like the rest of us with like no plan or maybe you did have a plan you tell me Well,
1: I would say that uh, I was initially drawn to psychology just because I thought it was like a great generalist uh, background to have. I felt like it would open a lot of different doors, but I became really interested in the clinical side of things um, and helping other people. Um, So I went and pursued my master's and doctorate from Pepperdine um and i ended up doing a lot of my training and initial specialization in hospital based settings um mostly with um complex medical and physical rehabilitation patients okay. so i saw a lot of stroke a lot of brain injury and kind of unique complex medical issues um and then after working in hospitals for a bit i wanted to make the transition into private practice. Um, So I saw a lot of mentorship around doing that and then finally made the leap. Um, Found it to be very um, interesting, rewarding. Um, And then my friends started having kids. Um, and so in addition to trying to kind of field some of their questions, um, I also was sometimes put in the position of someone requesting a referral Yeah. and I had a difficult time, um, kind of seeking out people that, um, you know, described themselves as having special qualifications. Yeah. So I started to, I think kind of like similar to what you did, kind of yeah. consume as much information as I could on my own. And then started to look into what kind of programs were out there for certification. Yeah. Um, And that's how I came across Postpartum Support International, which I think is a great organization, not only for training, but connecting professionals in the space. Um, So I pursued their training and their clinical requirements. I sat for their exam. And with that certification and specialization, I've now kind of really shifted my work and practice to helping a lot of uh, families yeah. through what can be a very rewarding, but very difficult time as well.
0: Yeah, totally. That's really cool. So for you, like do the patients, like patients, right? Not clients. What do you guys call yeah, um, patients? Interchangeable. <laughs> the people, <laughs> the, the people. people who come to you, yes. do they typically come to you because they've already like been told or understand, like, I'm definitely dealing with PPD or PPA and like, somebody is referring them to you as a specialist, or do you get people who are just like openly searching for therapists and they're like, I want someone who's a mom who can like help me with my kid pregnancy stuff.
1: Um, I'd say it's kind of a mix. I think in the beginning, I worked pretty hard to put my name out as someone who was like pursuing the specialization. So I would have colleagues maybe who got a referral um or like learned of someone who was looking for that specific kind of support yeah um so i would get referrals that way and then there's also kind of word of mouth right but you get you get both you get people who are already in the throes of things who need more like acute help because they really feel like they're struggling in that moment and then you get people who are anticipating a really difficult adjustment and kind of want the help planning and setting themselves up for um
0: you know some emotional support on the other end yeah so i see both It's really cool that you, you see some of those people too, because obviously it's like everything else. If you already have a problem, you're trying to solve it. But I think, and one thing I'm hoping people take away from this conversation is knowing that this type of support exists and you can preemptively get it, right? Yeah, you
1: absolutely can. So it, you know, it might change kind of the focus of the work. One might be more of like a planning and organizing and kind of like structuring things around you for Mm -hmm. when the tough time arrives and the Mm -hmm. other might. Be just diving in and meeting you at your at, meeting where you're at, and kind of just, um, you know, putting things into some kind of like hierarchy and kind of starting to like tackle them one by one to get you to a better place.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And do you feel like, well, actually, did you start the specialization? So um, for those listening, um, Jessica has a son who's, is he three? He's almost three. Yes, he's almost three. Almost three, about to be three. Um, so did you have this specialization before he was born? I did not.
1: So After, I started okay. pursuing it before. Yeah. And I was pregnant with him while I was doing some of the uh requirements and studying. Oh, cool. Um COVID also kind of took place in the midst of all of that. So yeah. um it kind of changed the way that some of the training was done, you know, in-person, sure. things like that. Um I delayed some of the training also because, um, I was sensitive to being pregnant myself and how some of that can, you know, be, um, difficult to, I would say, learn about or triggering. Um, so I was oh, kind that's of
0: smart. I wouldn't have thought of that balancing. Yeah. Just my own mental state with what I was trying to be educated about. Um, yeah, especially cause you hadn't had a child yet. So it's not like you mm-hmm. knew how you were necessarily going to respond to having to that experience. Yeah, exactly. So
1: I kind of took my time. Um but um but it all came together
0: and and now I have the certification. I love it. And do you feel like your are you anticipating I guess that your perspective is going to change in how you support moms after this baby is born and you have two different experiences to like speak to?
1: I'm I'm sure. I mean, I almost don't see how it couldn't. I think that like any, you know, experience, you know, motherhood or otherwise kind of becomes interwoven in the fabric of your being and whether it changes how you empathize or what you recommend or just kind of how you listen supportively. um, I think it will have some sort of, um, you know, impact. I, I don't know exactly what it'll be, but I'm sure it
0: will. Totally. And do you feel like, Because I remember this is something I I struggled with what how I was going to handle. It ended up being fine. But like when you're in the throes, I mean, my thing is very different from yours. I'm not dealing with people necessarily who are having depression, but they're tired, right? They're not sleeping. They have tiny babies. Mm-hmm. So are you thinking about like, when are you going to come back? Because I think I remember having a moment and it's the client was just being like difficult about something. I don't remember the situation exactly. But I remember like reading this like kind of angry email and being like, I have a four month old too. Like (laughs) I also am nursing five times a day. Like this is, you know, it was kind of like, I was a little bit like annoyed Mm -hmm. in a way that I wouldn't be now. Sure. Like, do you, have you thought about like when you'll come back and like how, yeah, like those dynamics. Yeah. I mean, I'm always trying to be sensitive to like
1: how my own like needs and the needs of my family will change and evolve as I try to maintain a business um, and to support uh, clients. Um, So I think that, you know, the way that I've chosen to approach it is to try to be somewhat transparent about it. So to say that, you know, my intention is to give some kind of an update Mm -hmm. um, around, you know, this time. Um, But as I've learned from experience, you know, the needs, that i have that my family has um they can't all be anticipated yeah. so um you know trying to kind of appreciate their patience as that gets sorted out and providing appropriate referrals and resources in the meantime because not everybody should be asked to wait or can afford to right so you know making sure they know that as well
0: yeah totally it's like that some of that um the coverage before you even leave is so important like so when you're have a 2 week old who's screaming you're not like texting someone about who to refer them to or whatever. It's like, I'm not here. Yeah. I'm not here. I'm in, you know, newborn bliss, bliss, total bliss. (laughs) 24 seven. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, So, okay. For moms who are listening here, like If they're going to seek out someone like you and Mm -hmm. they don't live in LA, that's special. You're not available right now anyway, Mm -hmm. that that specializes in postpartum and perinatal mental health. Mm -hmm. Like what is the best way to go about finding an expert? Mm -hmm. And when you're like vetting them, are there like red flags to look out for or like things to make sure to ask to make sure? Because I think a lot of this is a personal fit, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody you're going to like be spilling your your, your soul to. Um, Yeah. So what are your thoughts with that?
1: Um, I'd say if you're not already seeing a therapist, um, postpartum support has, uh, uh, International has a really great um, like directory tool where you can search like by state and location. So they'll kind of point you in the direction of people that are certified by their um, program. Yeah. So that's a good place to start. Um, You can always touch base with your insurance as well and Mm -hmm. see kind of in what direction they can point you. Um, I also want to say that if you are already in therapy, it's Mm -hmm. not as though, oh, because, um, you know, I'm about to have a a baby or because I'm experiencing these symptoms in the context of my pregnancy that I need to jump ship and find an alternative provider. If you have a great therapeutic relationship um, with someone that is already, you know, supporting you. then I would say, you know, stick with them, but discuss yeah. any unique challenges that might come up. Um, and then, you know, asking around. Um, a lot totally. of times, like the best resources I've found are people um, who have already maybe been there before us and they can yeah. kind of point to us in the direction of someone that they found helpful. Um, so those are a couple different avenues that I yeah. would
0: suggest. Um, and then red flags. I'd say that
1: any sort of feelings of like guilt and shame that are like induced as a result of, mm-hmm. um, you know, a conversation or an intake, um, I would just be a little wary of that um, and listen to your gut. There's a lot of really wonderful yeah. therapists out there who are absolutely well intentioned, um, but that doesn't mean that everybody is a good match for everybody total. So um I think it's certainly like uh reasonable to um you know continue to advocate you know for finding a therapist that feels like a good match, don't necessarily feel like you have to stick with someone that doesn't feel like the right fit. You can keep
0: looking until you find one that is a better a better match. Yeah, totally. I think that's really good advice. I always tell people that even with like my job, it's like, not everyone is for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to like, someone could be good at their job and not be right for you, especially something that personal. Yeah. Like talking about your life and, you know, I, mean, I feel like a therapist is like as intimate as a relationship can be yeah. but in a professional way. It right? can be. It's deeply, deeply um,
1: personal and it's also professional. So it's unique yeah. in that aspect. Um, And I would say some things that you would want to maybe like look for or also ask about, you know, you could ask, you know, what kind of therapy that they practice, Mm -hmm. you know, how often would they like to meet? um, Do they do therapy virtually? um, What's the cancellation policy? You know, how flexible can they be? Just right. um, There's, you know, uh, a couple of things that I would just not want anybody to be surprised by.
0: Yeah, Totally. Yeah, that's, you actually brought up a good point, like different types of therapy. Do you have a perspective on, especially when people are dealing with postpartum issues of any kind? Like I've heard of DBT. We were just talking about podcasts that we listened to. And I was, mm-hmm. I, I listened to one recently that was talking about someone who did DBT. So I just don't know that buzzword. Uh, I don't really know what it means, but, and then there's like the cognitive behavioral, whatever. So do you feel like there's one in particular that's either better suited or is like you should avoid, or is it more personal?
1: Um, I think a lot of it's personal. A lot of therapists will kind of um, pull from multiple um types of therapy yeah. to to support their clients, um, you know, still having maybe like a primary grounding and one in particular. Um, but I think it depends also on the presenting problem and when you're seeing the client. So yeah. if a client comes, in like really acute stress, and what they really need is some, you know, help with problem solving. Right. Might not make the most sense to work with someone who really specializes in like an insight oriented working, like with like, you know, uh, long his family histories. Right. Not that that isn't like relevant, and that that insight wouldn't provide relief. But in that moment, they might be better served by someone who works a little differently.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So it's more like about the situation and the person. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Cool. Well we have a bunch of questions and I feel like that's, that's the thing I most want you want you here for, because I think they're good ones and people are going to be very interested. So I was impressed by this question because I hadn't heard of the new PPD drug and Mm -hmm. I had to look it up and I was like, I'm curious what she's going to say. So Emily said, what are your thoughts on the new PPD drug? And I I wrote it down. Is it Zerzavi? Zerzavi? Uh, Your guess is as good (laughs) as mine on how to (laughs) pronounce
1: it. Um, But yes, there is a new, um, medication that has been approved, um, for, um, postpartum depression. And really, I feel like it's approval ignited a lot of like dialogue around postpartum depression, which I think is a great kind of like, um, side effect of even just having this be talked about even more. Um, but I mean, I first need to say that I'm not a prescriber. Um, so I don't prescribe or manage medication. Um, so that would, you know, be, questions really specifically about that would be like best directed towards a psychiatrist or a prescribing doctor. But um, my thoughts on it based off of what I've read are that it sounds like it's something that um, compared to uh, previous medications that were approved um, specifically for PPD, that it's uh, easier to access and um, faster acting. So before this, um the medication um was something delivered through IV, um, yeah. requiring, you know, like a hospitalization for the supervision of the administration. Um, and um, you know, I guess took quite a bit
0: longer um to have an impact. So, so that's um, not something you're going to the doctor and able to just get at your, you know, postpartum visit at the OB's. That's like no you're that's, suicidal or something really intense. Certainly severe cases, um uh
1: would be, you know, uh, considered, you know, for both of these, I, I believe, but, um, and it was also quite expensive. So to have something that's more affordable, more accessible mm-hmm. and quicker acting, I yeah. think are like the three pillars that, um, have people pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's still pretty new, um, but it's certainly, um, you know, lit up some excitement. Um, and then, you know, in addition to this, medication that was approved, um, there are still a lot of like the traditional, um, you know, antidepressant and mood managing medications that continue to be, um, given to, to these patients as
0: well. And you feel like those often are, are just enough for, for women who need them, who need a medication of some kind. They're often a good fit. Yeah. I mean, I think,
1: um, you know, the psychiatrists that specialize in, you know, working with women of like reproductive age and in like the perinatal and postpartum period, um, they are so well versed in what is appropriate that um, they can really kind
0: of uh, select the best medication if needed. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. And I put these ones together cause they're, I think they're kind of like similar questions. Mm-hmm. So Gabby said, if you struggled with PPD or PPA with your first, what can you do to prepare for the next time? And very much along the same lines, Kyla, uh, Kayla said, Kayla said, PPD, PPA survivor here. I've come around to the idea of a second, but I'm nervous. Tips. Tips.
1: Um, so I mean, really great questions. I think sometimes our body tells our body and our mind kind of tells us that the best predictor of the future are like these prior experiences. Right. So I completely understand why um, a parent would sort of be like bracing for the experience of another. If they had um, PPD or PPA with their first child. Um, But I would say that just being armed with the knowledge that you could be heading into a really challenging experience sets you up to have a different experience altogether. Yeah. Um, so the things that you can do to prepare, um, I would probably try to take a really close look at what seemed to have the most impact on your experience. So for example, um, If feeding was incredibly challenging for you and you know that this time around you want to feed for, you know, uh, a shorter amount of time or you want to move to formula or if, you know, if the issue is feeding, then you want to look closely at feeding. Right. If the issue was um, sleep, then you want to take a look at what can be done related to sleep, whether it's sharing some feeding responsibilities with the partner or um, you know, using formula, um, so that that responsibility overnight can be shared. Um, so you can do some kind of like anticipatory planning based off of what appeared to be like the most contributing factors the time before. Yep. Um, and I would say whatever support you're going to want to have engaging them beforehand, doesn't put you in the position of being a couple weeks in and saying, oh, shoot, who did who was really helpful to me last time? Who do I want to call? Yes. Um, so it's kind of like um planning for action. Yeah. Um, but just being armed with that awareness, I think, can set you up for a very different um experience. Um, and I would say that, you know, I really appreciate that i to say Kayla. Yeah. I think is how we're pronouncing that, um, identified herself as a survivor. Cause just that language choice kind of implies that she's identifying that she did it. So yeah. she got through it. So if percent. one thing that we can really guarantee it's that whatever the challenge is that comes, um, you know, our way, if it does come in the form of PPD or PPA, it is temporary. Um, yeah. So it will pass. Um, even though in the moment it doesn't necessarily feel that way.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Is there like a typical, that's actually makes me have a question. Is there a typical amount of time that if someone's going to have this experience at like a time that it typically starts and typically ends, or is it just like, could be years, could be weeks? It's so different for everybody. I mean, I think like
1: when I look at like a timeline, traditionally, like they'll talk about baby blues happening within the first you know, two weeks and kind Mm -hmm. of peaking after three to five days. And then, you know, beyond that is when people start really labeling things like PPD or PPA. Um, But really like through the first year um, I would say is like kind of fair game to be um, on the lookout for these things. Um, Another kind of common time to have like an intense emotional change is um, if a woman is um, breastfeeding and when they wean or, um, or stop, um, that can cause like a pretty big hormonal mm-hmm. disruption. So another time just to be sensitive to, yeah. um, but you know, it can kind of
0: come at any time, which is important to know. Um, yeah, I think that's what I was like getting at. Cause I have heard, I don't remember where that for some people it's like at six or seven months, like, it could just be a random time later on when mm-hmm. they had been, and maybe it's not tied to the feeding thing. So that's good for moms to know mm-hmm. that it could, this could come not to, like fear monitor, but just if you notice feeling off later, that it's not like you're crazy. Like you really could be feeling off. Yeah, you certainly, you certainly could.
1: Um, and it's also, I think, you know, my hope would that be, would be that armed with that knowledge, you know, that, Hey, if I start feeling something within this period of time, I could be looking at having PPD or PPA. Mm-hmm. So you're not sitting there just thinking, um, uh, you know, like what is going on with me and right. what is this, um, that it's, something that's
0: known and talked about and totally. there are
1: resources. Um, so certainly not alone in their experience, no matter when it, it happens.
0: And do you feel like too, because I actually, I, I have a friend who, I won't give away all the details, but did not initially have postpartum depression or anxiety with previous children. And mm-hmm. then with the most recent one, said a really, really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was obviously very surprising to her because she hadn't in the past. Mm-hmm. So do you find that that is common? Like if somebody had it, are they very likely to have it again? Or if they haven't, are they very likely not to? Or is it, because I thought that was really surprising. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could kind of like not have it for like multiple kids and then have it. At least yeah.
1: Again. Yeah. I mean, I, unfortunately I feel like kind of every scenario is both true and not terribly uncommon. So sure. If you have a history um, you, of having like a, a PPA or PPD, with prior children, you are considered to be at increased risk for another, um, similar experience. Um, and if you've never had it with previous children, you're less likely, Mm -hmm. but not guaranteed to not have it. Right. Um, so that is kind of the honest answer
0: there. Um, yeah. 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 So it's just kind of a crap shot. Um, but we're getting all the resources now in case it happens. It's good news. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this one is a more of a specific kind of unique scenario, so Jen said, How do I cope with a spouse who's physically unable to help? I have a two year old and three month old twins, and I'm drowning yeah. um yeah.
1: gosh, well, I mean, I first just reading the question um for Jen, I think even just kind of like putting the question out there and and asking it shows like a proactive problem solving sort of stance, which I think likely serves you well I hope Jen in a number of ways but um I don't know what comes to mind when I look at a question like that are the kinds of things that someone who might be physically limited um what kinds of things they can actually help with particularly if you have a 2 year old um you know an additional addition to having physical needs a 2 year old has a ton of emotional needs mm-hmm. too um so those might be met by um you know more, uh, tasks that don't require a lot of like physical, um, things on behalf of the parents. So maybe that, that parent, you know, they read the stories or maybe they do the voices for the characters when they're, you know, engaging in pretend play. Um, so I have a tendency in this case to want to focus on the things that the spouse or partner can do. Sure. Um, sit with them while they're eating, sit with that them while stuff, they're yeah. eating, Order dinner for delivery, um, Mm. you know, things like that. Um, But I would also say that, you know, there's a reality here of mom maybe needing some more physical help. Um, And so getting creative about um, who you're allowing to help with what, if those people are available to you, Um, and it could be neighbors, it could be friends, it could be other family. Um, but this is a case where I would really want to prioritize what physical, um, needs she's, uh, wanting or needing assistance with, and then kind of tackling those one by one with who's in their, um, you know, world in terms of a resource, um, and starting there knowing that, um, you know, you might need to kind of change and be flexible as you go along, but. Um, but definitely kind of getting things on paper and seeing where um where you can start with some physical assistance and kind of what the um what the spouse can do um to be helpful in their own way.
0: Totally. I think that was a really good point about like being creative with who is available. And I was even thinking of like, we have a neighbor who's like 11 and she'll just come over and like hang out with our kids sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if I have a night where I know Alex had a long day at work and is like very overwhelmed, mm-hmm. I will text her mom and be like, does she want to come over and hang? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we give her a couple of dollars an hour and she just like hangs out with the kids. Yeah. And, and she loves oh, it. Oh my God. It's like all of the, all the kids, including her are like mm-hmm. the happiest clams. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a creative way to like get some support when you need it. Um, so yeah, Jen, I hope you, I hope you have some that gives you some food for thought. Yeah. People and resources to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and OK, our last question. So Allie said, what are the early signs that I might have PPD or PPA and not just normal postpartum adjustments? Uh, I really like this question because at the end, the
1: whole idea of like not just normal postpartum adjustment period almost implies that. A normal postpartum adjustment period doesn't warrant any kind of, you know, attention or support, even in like a best case scenario, um, it's still like a big life change. And yeah, so totally um, so I think that you know, you can really benefit at any time, whether it's like a PPA or PPD situation or just this quote unquote normal adjustment or um baby blues. But um to get, you know, more specific and direct to answering the question, um, I want to kind of highlight that the um, normal postpartum adjustment period, if we're talking more about like a baby blues, sort of like difficult adjustment experience, we're talking about something that's going to peak three to five days after you give birth. It's mostly related to like the acute sleep deprivation and hormone changes. Sure. Um, You know, it should, you know, start to subside after about two weeks. And in this kind of time of heightened emotionality, you're when you're experiencing these intense emotions, you can kind of also like laugh at yourself at the same time, kind of like recognizing like that, what you're experiencing is like so wild and intense. And you mean this,
0: if it's a normal thing.
1: Yeah. If this is normal, I'm putting that in air quotes. um, This would be like a normal, like, you know, baby blues kind of adjustment. Sure. Um, As far as having a PPD or PPA, um, that's like really diagnosable or textbook, I think what you're looking for, um, some of like the big things to look for would be any thoughts of self-harm. Um, if you're thinking that your family would be better off without you as a mother, um, if you're having sort of any thoughts, um, like that, you're, um, you know, you're in need of some support because it's not necessarily something that you want to be struggling with, um, quietly, um, during that time. Um, but you're looking for, you know, low mood. Um, you're looking also at loss of, of like interest and pleasure and like of, of things that you would like
0: previously enjoy. And I think wait, that actually makes me, I have a question about those things because I think there's some stuff But you tell me mm-hmm. that there's a distinction between like one that I had heard with some friends recently. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Is like, lots of intrusive thoughts like i remember Mm -hmm. and i don't want to like trigger anyone but she had like just like a really uh, something very scary happening to her baby she like the nanny was going to drop him and she kept having these like visions of the nanny dropping the baby yeah and like things like that i was like i wonder if that's like and this is she she's like a year and a half out or something but like Mm -hmm. if that was something like probably should have gotten medication for that or if that's like no that's like a normal thing that moms feel when they are anxious with their firstborn
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, again, it's like that subjective distress. I think one person could have that thought and then tell themselves, gosh, that's a scary thought. I know that's like extremely unlikely to happen. I'm going to take a deep breath and, you know, I know I trust my nanny and then they're, you know, okay. There's also, you know, a new parent who might have that thought and then might engage in some kind of compensatory behavior and really become consumed by distressing thoughts like that. And then you're looking at more of like a, um, like an obsessive compulsive um, experience right. postpartum, um, which yeah. also happens. right? Um, but a mom who's having those kinds of thoughts, um, you know, and is finding them that distressing could right. certainly benefit from working with someone yeah. um, around that. Um, but, um, you know, the complicated thing, I think, in the postpartum period is a lot of what is, quote unquote, normal are also like things that we would check off um, in a symptom list for certain depressive sure. and anxious disorders. Right. So change in sleep, change in appetite, you know, these are almost like the hallmarks, um, of the postpartum experience. So
0: that makes this so complicated. It's like makes everyone it so
1: complicated, even
0: like, as you're talking, thinking about me and I, I with Teddy, my first, like mm-hmm. I was, I was so happy to be a mom that I feel like in a, at least in hindsight was like in a state of bliss. Yeah. But I also like needed my friend. I, you know, I had like issues. I was trying to feed. He'd been in the NICU. Like I was still exhausted. Yeah. I remember one night checking his temperature like 10 times because mm-hmm. I was like convinced he was like getting too cold. So like I was doing all these things that like if I was checking like to your point, I, they would have been like this woman's insane. This woman's insane. This woman's <laughs> <laughs> But like I think I was completely fine. I mean, I hope. But yeah. So it's kind of like this nebulous, like, yeah, I, you know. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it can be hard to like, try to fit someone into like a perfect, um, I don't know, diagnostic, you know, frame. But I think like to highlight the most important things, like I said, any thoughts of self-harm, um, true like hopelessness, um, difficulty enjoying things that you would previously enjoy. Yeah. So like if your favorite show comes on and you have, you know, a little bit of time to yourself and you kind of have
0: no emotional reaction to it. Um, that's unusual. Right. Um, that's a good example. Cause it's not like, well, yeah, you might not want to like, go out to a bar because you're exhausted, but something right. that's very simple that yeah. should cheer you up mm-hmm. is not able to. Right.
1: Yeah. That. And, um, you know, I think also like along the lines of sleep, if you are able to get some rest, but you're not finding the sleep to be restorative, that can also Mm -hmm. kind of be indicative of like more of like an emotional process underlying things. Um, and then I think, uh, in an inability to kind of like fulfill, um, your roles. So if you're not really like able to, um, meet, your own basic needs or the right. basic needs of your, um, newborn, then those would be other reasons to kind of start to consider, um, that maybe you're having, um,
0: a PPD or PPA experience where you might want to get some support. Yeah, like something like brushing your teeth or like something very basic that like, in a real, you know, in a normal world, you would like want to brush your teeth and wash your hair. You're just like, I don't care. Yeah. Basic things like
1: that or more, you know, intense things like, um, taking yourself or the baby to the doctor's appointments that are needed. Which um, feels overwhelming, which, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, I would say that all those things kind of like collectively can, can give insight there, but But again, you don't necessarily have to fall into a diagnostic category to benefit from the
0: support that's out there. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything, I'm just like racking my brain because I feel like there's more people go to the lane of like, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. It's bad. Like that's what's wrong. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if there's also people on kind of like the other side of the spectrum where it's like, if the baby like spits up and you can't immediately change their outfit, so they're clean or like. I get a lot of clients and I mean, you guys, if you're listening to this, you guys know who you are. I love you. I feel like I have to say five times a week, throw your nanit in the garbage. If I hear one more person tell me, well, the nanette says that they only got two hours of restorative or like they have all these like metrics. And sometimes I'm very gently like, I feel like this is making you crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, are there things like that where it's not, maybe they're not like sad or depressed, but they're being like really prescriptive about things in the baby's life and the baby's day that are making them lose their mind a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that for a
1: lot of parents, it's like anything that provides almost like the illusion of control can be like very, almost like attractive. Like if I follow this, if I record this, if this tells me X, Y, Z, it just means I'm that much more on top of or ahead of it or
0: something. Yeah. Yeah. So, So
1: I think that that's like, can definitely be a trigger for some people and Mm -hmm. for others, it could be a tool. So I think it all depends on how you respond to things. I honestly think that like a lot of social media can do a similar kind of service slash disservice. Um, I'm big on trying to, um, kind of discuss the ways in which that can work for and against someone, because I think that we can do almost like unconsciously, like a lot of doom scrolling, like not even recognizing that you're kind of being like hundred percent really shown a lot of things that aren't going to, support you um in the way that you might
0: like really need it um yeah because don't you feel like in some ways I mean maybe they just had it and they didn't have a name for it and it was really rampant but in some reason in some ways I look back at like our parents and it's like there were obviously people who struggled but I think almost more people struggle now because you have so much information and so many products and tools and opinions and it used to be just like your mom and your sister and like your neighbor, Sarah, that yeah. was it.
1: Yeah, And now no. it's
0: like a thousand people telling you you're doing it wrong.
1: There's definitely such a thing as too many experts or too much information, too many well-meaning people. Um, you know, I think, you know, even recently after potty training, I was talking about it a lot with my own um, mom who kind of looked at me, puzzled and was like, you know, it's you just, just something that you you do. I mean, you can do your research, but you're just going to like Go and and do it, but you know it's like every day you on my Instagram, I'm getting tips and I'm getting you know products that I need to buy and books that I need to read, and so um it's exhausting, yeah. So actually, another really great like um I think postpartum and perinatal tool and um in general is to um I often use the term like pick your experts. So if you want to have like you know one pediatrician, one sleep expert. Um, one lactation consultant, or just, you know, one person that you kind of direct most of your questions to, to kind of like funnel you to other Mm -hmm. resources. Um, there there can be such a thing as like too, um, too much well-meaning information. And then you're kind of tasked with filtering that and the
0: decision fatigue grows and and you're exhausted. Totally. So I always tell, well, sometimes I'll have to tell clients if they'll kind of, you know, challenge something I say, I'll say like, I, I get that you heard that. So at the end of the day, like you just have to decide what to believe and mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get this overwhelm. But I think it goes back to your point about, um, like if you're feeling, if you're, I don't remember what you said, I'm like losing my train of thought, but I, 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 it was something you said that triggered something I've said to clients, which is like, if something makes you, Oh, it's about the therapist that you're searching for, uh-huh. that if something make if somebody or something like makes you feel bad, even if it's supposed to be a positive thing, like you're looking at this woman with all of her happy kids, mm-hmm. but if when you get to that person's account, you're like stomach drops and you're like, I'm a shitty mom because I don't do these things, mm-hmm. then like unfollow that. Like you don't need to like consume things just because your friend said this account is cool. Mm-hmm. If you get to it and you're like, Ugh, like that's listen to yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I think someone who's in like a really sensitive emotional, um, you know,
1: negative head place, you tend to do a lot of like negative self comparison. So you're not really gonna right. like find people that. Um, or you're not going to be like necessarily looking at accounts and thinking to yourself, oh, like that's inspiring me to do X, Y, Z. What you're going to be doing is comparing yourself and how you're different or maybe not achieving what you want to. Right. So it's a slippery slope, because I would also say that there's some great accounts out there who put out wonderful information and that are great resources. But it's, yeah. um,
0: it's hard to filter everything in a postpartum period. Total. Well, do you have one as our closing thing? Do you have any accounts or books or people that you think are actually good for the majority of people and would be like a worthwhile look for a new mom?
1: Sure. Um, I like, I think I want to get this, the name of this, right. So if it's different, we'll find a way to get, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, it's called of mom and mind.
0: Hmm,
1: Um, that's a great like podcast and account to follow. Um, and then I also think, just like the postpartum support international page does a great Mm -hmm. job about like posting, um, about their resources. So support groups, um, they post them frequently, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like all the phone numbers that are available. Um, so I would say those are two
0: pretty good ones. Great. Yeah. I'm going to put both of those for you guys listening in the show notes. You can go look right now and I'll include like the phone numbers and everything. So if listening to this episode, is making you realize that maybe you benefit from some support, you will have those resources. Um, So thank you so much for coming, Jessica. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk about such an important topic. I agree. I love it. Um, And good luck with your maternity leave and the baby boy arriving. You can't (laughs) wait to meet him. Thank you. I need it. (laughs) Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to BrittanySheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.